God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And yesterday we had a couple of um, audio clips that we wanted to play. So I wanted to start the, the day off uh, talking about the problems with socialism. And uh, a lot of people like this Dinesh D'Souza clip that I've played a few times. And um, it really does... <clears throat> put things in perspective as we kind of um, go through the motions um, of this socialist experiment that's happening in Washington. Uh, we're seeing a very difficult trend uh, with regard to people coming back to work. We're seeing a whole bunch of um, draconian measures out of government to control populations and control people, uh, to condition people to use carrots and sticks that that the government isn't supposed to be using, the government getting involved with all kinds of different um, uh, remedies and solutions and meddling, meddling in our censorship, whether it's social media, meddling in the free markets with regard to stimulus checks and, and payroll pay, meddling in our elections, and the government's not supposed to be doing that. They're not supposed to be adversarial against its own people that feeds them, that pays them, that that makes the wheels turn in gov- uh, in terms of finance. We pay their bill. We pay the bills. We own the capital. And for them to tell us that we're not allowed to go there and visit, and and then to punish one group. Of, of peaceful protesters who sing the national anthem and wave a flag and give them 20 years in prison for standing in the Capitol building for 10 days when you have these Texas uh, super spreaders that don't want to vote on election integrity in Texas. Now six of them are spreading the virus and not wearing masks and whatever. And, you know, I don't, I don't wear a mask either, but... Uh, you know, I almost wonder, are they really sick 
or is this just another extension of uh, them trying to get out of voting? Are they really sick? I question that. Because I don't know anybody that's getting COVID. I don't know anybody that's ever gotten COVID, like I said yesterday. I've never gotten it. I'm knock on wood. You know, I know it exists. I'm not a denier of the COVID. But I don't necessarily think it's too too big of a threat either with ivermectin and with hydroxychloroquine with a survival rate of over 99.8% chance of survival. I'd rather have, uh, you know, I'd rather, I like those odds. I wouldn't rather anybody have that. But there are probably as many people dying from the flu and other uh, ailments than are dying from COVID, especially when we have mitigation and therapeutics uh, surrounding COVID. The government has just gotten out of control. They want to take away your guns. They want to um, tax you to death. They want to disincentivize you for to work. They want to socialize your medicine. They want to socialize your schools. They want to indoctrinate your children. This government is off the charts. You know, I was looking at these recent videos, uh, video footage of people crossing the border. And they don't look Mexican to me now. They don't look Hispanic. They don't look South American. They look like they're coming from Africa and from all over the place. I mean... The, the demographics that are coming through the southern border now are, are disturbing because it's looking like the United Nations now. It's looking like all these different countries. So basically, our social welfare program, which was supposed to be a small program in a prosperous country like America, where it was designed to facilitate the needs of a few, the people that were mentally ill or the people that couldn't make it or the people that just were down on their luck or got some sort of an addiction. All of these things were supposed to be small numbers. Now we have a social welfare program that's probably in the trillions of dollars. A whole national budget just devoted to socialized programs. I would love to know what that exact number is. And meanwhile, we're giving out smartphones instead of tracking devices for your ankle, an ankle bracelet, to make sure that we could track these people in our country. And our U.S. military is actually on board with flying them to battleground districts so that they could vote your elected official that represents you out of office. So now... The elected official represents them. Like Ilhan Omar, is she representing the taxpayer citizens of Minneapolis? I doubt it. But she's collecting millions and paying her lovers millions in consulting fees. And she gets that money from you. But the people that she's serving are these Somalian warlords that want to engage in Sharia law. Not even the law of our country. And she wants to philander around and sleep with every guy she sees. That's Ilhan Homar. And 
this is what's happening is not only does every single person through our open border neutralize one of our votes, every single one of those people coming through the border is going to end up electing somebody that represents them rather than you being represented and you're footing the bill. You're putting food in their mouth and they want to vote somebody into office that represents them. How stacked up and cockamamie is that? When you're you're the one down there doing all the work and, you know, turning the wheels uh, to the engine of commerce... And while you're sweating on your brow and while you're trying to stress out over paying the bills, you got some whippersnapper that can't even speak English that's come through the border and ICE isn't allowed to arrest them now for being illegally here. And you're footing their bill. You're paying their way of life. You're buying their phone. You're, you're uh, buying their plane fuel. And we're allowing them right under our noses. We see it right in front of us. It's happening. We're actually paying our government to do this to us. Every single time we pay sales tax or payroll tax and get wages taken out of our paychecks, we need to stand up and fight and fight harder and smarter because we're not being represented by the right people. And I blame rhinos as much as Democrats. I blame the Liz Cheney's and Adam Kinzinger's and Lisa Murkowski's and Susan Collins of the world for being turncoats within our own efforts. But then I also blame the corruption from the California politicians all the way across the country. But they are disproportionately representing our country. California politicians represent a lot of House of Representative representatives. They represent a lot of them. And it's those types of politics that are running that state into the ground that are also now impacting the rest of the country with their socialized failed policies. Does anyone have any interest of going to San Francisco anymore with all the syringes and feces laying around the streets? They ran that state into the ground. They have forest fires every single year. I've never heard of such a thing because they won't tend to their brush because they have uh, concerns about a spotted owl or something like that, right? It's crazy stuff. Well, let's take a listen to what socialism really is. Now, this is from October, uh, or this is from 2012. And it's really talking about Obamacare, but it could be talking about any redistribution of wealth scheme, which is what Obamacare truly was. It wasn't about health care so much as it was about redistribution of wealth on steroids. It was about taking money out of your pocket and giving it to somebody else who doesn't want to foot the bill for their own health insurance, which then makes your health insurance that much more expensive because when you have one person paying for two, that one person's going to pay double. 
Is that basic math or what? Is that that's pretty basic, right? If you get two health insurances, it costs double. But if you have one paying one person paying for it, huh? Yeah, that person's going to pay double. It's pretty simple math, right? Pretty basic stuff. So I'm kind of sick and tired of paying double, but let's go ahead and take a listen to what socialism and communism is really all about. And uh, once I get our audio track in place, uh, that's what we're going to do. And um, here we go. Um, in my understanding of Christ's teachings, um, taking care of the poor and the sick were of the utmost importance. And so I was hoping both of you could talk about why you don't think that um, universal health care is uh, uh, a very important issue to Christians these days. Thank you. Wow. Universal health care. <laughs> well, it depends what you mean by take care of the health, take care of the health of everybody. Um, Yes, of course, we're, we're all in favor of that. Everybody should have health insurance. Insurance goes back centuries, the idea. Uh, it's a great idea. The question is, who should pay for it? How should this be paid for? What's the most efficient way to make sure everybody gets that coverage? And that's just, I think that's more of a political issue than a Christian religion moral issue. Yeah, I think there's also the question of, um, I think the question is often ignored in these contexts is that whenever the government is involved as an element of compulsion, Yes. And the effect of compulsion is always to strip the virtue out of a transaction. Um, if, Michael, if you and I are walking on the beach uh, and uh, I'm hungry and you have a sandwich, and I say, Michael, I'm hungry, give me your sandwich. Uh, and you say, yes, here it is. I say, thank you. Now, that's a moral transaction. You feel good about having done something good. I feel a sense of obligation. Maybe someday if I'm doing well, I'll share my sandwich with somebody else. But now here's a third situation. You and I are walking on that same riverbank. I'm hungry. You have a sandwich. And here comes Obama on a horse. <laughs> he gets off the horse, puts a gun to your head, and says, Michael, turn over the sandwich to Dinesh. And so you do. And then he puts his gun back and he drives away. Now, the outcome is the same. I mean, I have the sandwich. But the moral content of that transaction is completely different. Uh, you deserve no moral credit. You didn't give willingly. I don't even feel a sense of gratitude. I feel a sense of entitlement. Uh, I feel that you actually owe me seven sandwiches, but you only gave me one. So you can see how there the whole, the whole thing is confused when you bring in the element of coercion. Indeed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I should point out, just for the other side, is when it, uh, uh, their argument is that, for example, um, if we need to fund the military to protect our liberties from foreign countries, uh, and you say, well, but that's an element of coercion, and you're going to take my taxes at the point of a gun and fund these military, and I don't want to do it, and the government shouldn't do that, then we're not going to have a military, and then we're going to be invaded, and then somebody else is going to put a gun to your head. Either way, there's going to be a certain element of coercion. But even that doesn't fully work because the military does protect you and me both, whereas the taking of the sandwich to you from you to me hurts you and benefits me. So my point is any government that robs Peter to pay Paul can obviously keep counting on Paul's support. <laughs> yes. That's the problem. Okay, let's move to the next question. Mr. D'Souza, 
you began with humans are bent or inherently morally imperfect. In the sandwich reference, you presumably believe that Obama should not hold the metaphorical gun to Sherman's head, that he will share that sandwich freely. If humans are not inherently moral, how is this a valid expectation, and why should Obama not hold the gun to Sherman's head, so to speak? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. D'Souza? Because the guy holding the gun is no better than the guy to whose head he's holding it to. So in other words, sure, uh, Michael Shermer may be a selfish guy who wants to keep his sandwich. But nevertheless, let's consider the motives of the guy with the gun. Is he contributing his own sandwich? No. He's taking Michael Shermer's sandwich and giving it to someone else and then proclaiming himself to be a morally wonderful human being. Um, Look, I'm I'm not denying the core principle involved here, right? I'm simply saying that here we are as a country, and for, for two centuries, we've had people pulling the wagon. And we recognize, and I would agree, that there is a group of people, and you can disagree about how many, but I would say about 10% of people who are weak and disadvantaged and need to sit in the wagon and have the rest of us pull that wagon. Okay? Uh, now, again, you can disagree about how many people should be in the wagon, but that number of people has been increasing. Considerably, This was kind of what Romney is getting at, that at some point there are more people in the wagon than there are pulling. Uh, and then people who are pulling begin to think, well, maybe I should stop pulling and get in the wagon. It's kind of nicer in the wagon. Uh, and what my criticism of Obama is, instead of saying, listen, I really want to thank the people who are pulling the wagon, he goes... The people who are pulling the wagon are greedy, selfish, and materialistic. And the people sitting in the wagon are wonderful. Uh, He is morally demonizing the wagon pullers and championing the superior morality of the guys who are sitting in there. And and all I'm saying is this is an inverted morality. Uh, The guys who are actually contributing to help the disadvantaged, these are the sacrificial people of our society. And they're the ones who deserve a little more credit. Next question, please. So, you know, that's an interesting point, right? Um, where he's, that's, that's the insult to injury, is even with like something like critical race theory or any of these things, where the middle class worker, that, you know, if you, were to, if you were to take a look at middle America and you were to take a look at all the people working and paying their bills and they want to go out and they want to buy their own truck Um, But they're told now they have to buy electric or they're going to get penalized or um, they can't build a wing onto their house or a deck or a tree house or a pool without some sort of blessing from whoever. And all they want to do is just live their life. I understand HOA and, you know, there are communities where they don't want a big RV you know, parked in the driveway, it's, it's an obstruction, it, it, it takes away from the overall, I understand, those are, those are, they have great systems in place for that, you know, you know housing, uh, housing authorities, right, you know, so basically, homeowner, owner authorities, so HOAs, right, so, so basically, they have all of these um, local, politics is local, they say, right, and you could choose where you want to live and how you want to live. 
And you can vote on things, and it's very democratic, and that's fine. But when you have the federal government getting involved and dictating these terms, where you have these middle-class people that are paying the bill, and then you have these politicians that are basically telling you you're wrong, you can't you can't have a social media platform because you're you're sowing the seeds of disinformation because you don't agree with Dr. Fauci. Evil Dr. Fauci. I mean this guy that's been wrong just about all the time. Just saw a clip with Collins, his boss from the NIH, still doubling down on the idea that it wasn't man made. And that's just cover, you know, it's a CYA for him, covering his butt. And and that's what he was doing there. But uh, but now he's admitting that oh, could have leaked out of uh, some lab somewhere, don't know where. And of course, it was Wuhan, and it was man-made, and it was a bioweapon, more than likely. And there's a lot of studies that there's a lot of scientists that indicate that it was a bioweapon, but. You, you're just a middle-class you know, worker bee that pays your taxes, and you don't get a say. And this whole collusion of the government working with private industry, the government working with social media, it's just another little dirty trick from the Washingtonians, the politicians that can't get the votes. They can't get the votes to actually dra- uh, drop the draconian hammer on your head. They don't have the votes to do it. Nor do they have the document that supports it. The Constitution doesn't support the draconian measures that are being uh, thrust upon you by the federal government. Whether it's relaxed laws that support ballot harvesting or, or to, so that they could rig elections, because they certainly can't win them on their policies, can they? So, of course, you need to rig them. That's just 101. You have to rig the election in order to get your radical policies supported. You have to stack the court. You have to stack the Senate. They're so focused on how to rig things, like what they're doing in Texas and like what they're doing elsewhere. I mean, the idea is that they rig them. And rigging elections brings upon us um, a lot of other problems, too. And that's huge swings in philosophy. But the federal government is cracking, is making us look like the racists. We're the racists, right, in this federal government. Yet, that's just to endorse the critical race theory, to indoctrinate your children. Again, they want to cheat, they want to lie, and they want to steal. They want to steal your tax dollars, misappropriate them, not represent, not as a bait and switch. That's cheating. That's lying. You go to the store, you give them money, and in the box, you go home and you open up the box, and it's something different. You order something from a a restaurant to go, and you bring it home, and it's somebody else's meal. That's, That's fraud. And you shouldn't be having to do that. But the government is not only taking money out of your pocket, but it's also then pointing the finger at you, telling you you're evil. It's saying it's okay to violate the, the mask mandates 
if you're Black Lives Matter, go on out there and just paint all over the streets in front of Trump's uh, tower or in front of Trump's White House and paint Black Lives Matter, I love Marxism, all over the place. Because that's what, what it is, right? Marxism and Black Lives Matter are one and the same. Bunch of racist fools that want to indoctrinate children is what Black Lives Matter is all about, and the NFL seems to love it. These corporations are being used like worker mules because they're benefiting from the government. It's a pay-to-play, but it's going the other way. It used to be that corporate lobbyists would pay the politicians to do their dirty work and pass laws that favored the corporations. Now the government is basically saying, thank you very much for financing my campaign. I'm going to return the favor and I'm going to give you uh, what you want in terms of access to slave labor markets. But you, in turn, are going to endorse our agendas. And that's what they're doing. This whole vac- vaccine passport thing, this, they're, reach, they're trying to reach 70% so that corporations will adopt an unconstitutional uh, guideline not a mandate, or maybe a mandate, but the mandates have to be temporary, like emergency orders. Guidelines, they don't have to be, they could be long-term. And the corporations can mandate them. So the, the corporations are exempt from the Constitution because they're private businesses. So the government is working hand-in-glove with the corporations to, uh, to mandate policies that they otherwise couldn't get passed through an election process in the House of Representatives or in the Senate. And even if they did get passed through those institutions, they could very well be shut down for being unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. So what they're doing is they're saying, we know we can't win. Just like when Obama talked about dreamers, he said he knows this is unconstitutional, but he's going to do it anyway. And then Justice Hannon, a Texas Supreme Court justice, stepped in. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed with Justice Hannon. And the person that was overseeing the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals was Justice Scalia. He was the Supreme Court justice overseeing, you know, the dockets on the Fifth Circuit, which controlled Texas and some other states. And next thing you know, Scalia was, what, murdered? Sounded like he was murdered anyway. Pillow over his head, got a clean bill of health, went out hunting in Texas. Next thing you know, he's dead. Nobody ever really, I think, got to the bottom of that. He didn't have an autopsy. And there was verily no uh, declaration as to how or why he died. There were people in the house that didn't even hear it. And he died alone. Not a witness, nor an autopsy. And the guy overseeing the Dreamers, Fifth Circuit Court, I think he was murdered, frankly. That's my opinion, but, you know, that's just my gut feeling. And if he was murdered, then what was that about? That was about converting what they said was 11 million, but probably more like 30 million illegals into voters. 
They're trying to make the election system a one-party system. And they can't win it on what they're trying to do. So what they're trying to do is in the interim between now and when they get all the votes that they need through importing them through the open southern border, what they're trying to do is they're trying to rig it because there's this there's this gap where they they're in trouble. They'll lose it before they get it. And that isn't going to work out well for them. So what they need to do is bridge the gap. They just need a temporary solution in order to get the power to open the borders, get the voters, and that's how they're doing it. Can't you see it? I can clearly see it. By the way, I just opened the phones. Um, The phones uh, were closed until just now. Oh, wait, they're still closed. (laughs) I forgot this system. Like I said, we have a new system. All right, now now it's available. So if anybody wants to call in, the number's 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. That's 215-867-8255. So, you know, the other thing is this election rigging. You know, one of the problems, and you know it's election rigging just by this simple logic, okay? It's election rigging because it used to be Back in the days of JFK, right? Let's see. We'll, we'll go, we're going to go ahead and take a call, and then I'm going to go ahead and uh, finish up this thought. Um, but we're going to take this caller in just a moment. And caller, you're on the air. Hey, Scott. It's uh, Jeff the Trucker. Oh, yeah. Um, Where are you today? Where are you driving today? I'm in Wisconsin. Wow, you get around. You get around, son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm everywhere, man. I'm I'm all over. So, uh, but, well, hang, you know, on you were ta- a, hang on just a sec. So, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. So, so you were you were talking about how the the rigging of the system, and there's something that's been on my mind that I hear a lot of. Uh, I listen to a lot of conservative radio. I'm on the road all day. So uh, a lot of people are talking about the fact that if the fraud is proven, that we can't remove Biden. And I think you've alluded to that, too. And I, I totally disagree with the, with the rationale, um, you know, saying that it's not in the Constitution, so we can't get rid of them. Well, it doesn't say that we can't. You know what I mean? It doesn't say anything about it. So, so I think to solve the problem of rigged election. We have to get rid of Biden, and I think the mindset of a lot of conservatives is wrong because I don't think that if someone is in an office because of criminal behavior that they should just be left there, that it would even be possible that they could retain their position. You know what I mean? Well, well, yeah. Well, I just want to say um, I never said that we can't get rid of Biden. Uh, that wasn't my point. My point was, uh, well, and you kind of helped to inspire me on that, uh, which is, well, what I was saying when you, well, one time you called up and you talked about, we were talking about anonymity and voting. And um, and that was fine. But what I was going after is, well, the fact that the um, signature ballot, the signature envelope and the, and the voting ballot are separated. And no one knows if you have 300,000 bogus uh, ballots, you throw them out, but you don't know necessarily know how they vote. Now, in the case where you do know how they vote, then you flip that state. And if Trump did win, then 
you know, you should be able to, uh, you know, you should be able to yeah. correct that wrong. Yeah, you know, and, and I think after after I spoke with you, I think there was, uh, I think it was Julie. Yeah, can you hear me? Did we lose you? Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. Okay. As a matter okay, of fact, so, um, I, I uh, think I can. Julie's actually on hold right now, but uh, <laughs> I don't know how to merge the two calls. But uh, yeah. But, uh, that's, well, I mean, you can. I, but I think like I, she sort of stole my thunder because she pointed out the fact which I was thinking about and did, but didn't mention. She did that the total of the ballot, the ballot count won't match. You, you, you won't have the actual paper ballots won't match the totals that were certified. So that's that's sort of how you get around the fact that, that you can't uh, you can't identify the voter but the but the totals will be will be di- will be wildly different. That's true. And then you decertify it and then you go to the delegation but right uh, to, and perhaps you go to the delegation the way well the delegation we would win no matter no matter if uh, the House of Representatives has uh, more Democrats than Republicans. It doesn't matter. The delegation is in favor of the Republicans. Let me just see something about this phone system. Hold on. Um, I'm going to try something here. So, Julie. Good morning. Are you listening to Jeff at all? Can you hear Jeff? Y- yes, I can. He- oh, no, I haven't heard him yet. Um, but I... I d- I, yes, please go so on. So, Jeff, Jeff good uh, what was your what was your um, point that you made regarding with Julie? Well, the, the, I, I believe it was Julie was was the person that pointed out that the that the ballot totals won't match the the certified what's actually certified when you actually count the paper it won't match the certification. Was that wasn't that was that you, Julie? Oh, it, um, it may have been. It, you know, we've gone over so many different things, and there's so many different elements to this whole thing. It, it, it's just, it, it's amazing that if we can pull this all together and make this work, it would just be an absolute miracle, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that there are some, I think that there are really some uh, uh, components to this. I uh, and you know, I um, I was also uh, made aware that uh, you could have it was Pat Kinnean who has a show on Red State. Uh, basically, he was sent telling me uh, the president's limit is ten years. It's it's four four, and then somehow it's two, and it's in the in the Constitution. It's, it's ten years. So you know, if Trump were to somehow be reinstated, um, he would have another term, and he would be the only president that ever served 10 years. So there is this slight glimmer of hope because of all the different things that are happening in Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Michigan right now, and of course, Arizona. Um, You know, if they decertify them, that would probably be enough right there to do the state delegations. And, you know, obviously these things need time to investigate. And it's not like people have been wasting time on this. I think people are going at, at rapid speed. I mean, what they're doing in Arizona is is amazing work, and they're going to find all kinds of problems. But whether or not they're going to be able to track each voter fraud incident with who, how they, that voter ballot voted, 
uh, you know, is the question. You know, I, I think it'll be interesting. I feel really hopeful in that when this all shakes out, you know, when you look at, okay, we've got to get rid of Biden, but then, but then, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pelosi is probably there illegitimately, and Schumer and Mitch McConnell. There are a lot of other people, a lot of other pieces that should fall if we get uh, audits in all 50 states. So I think it's fine that we can feel really hopeful that we'll be better represented just in general once everything shakes out, you know? Oh, there's no doubt that Trump was a huge game changer, net positive. You know, the... Uh the net sum of his game is a huge positive for Americans. And you know what? There's a lot of Americans uh, that may not have liked him, but they have to be grateful for the fact that we had him for four years and that he changed the game in Washington. And hopefully we're going to get, like I said yesterday, my, my, goal, my goal would be to get him back in for 24 to 28. Then uh, his vice president would be DeSantis, 28 to 32 and 32 to 36. Like that one meme where it kept saying that he was going to be president four years after four years after four years, and yeah. people's heads were blowing up. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, um, Julie, uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, is, uh, your name is Jeff, right? The trucker? Uh, yeah, uh, trucker Jeff. That's how I am on uh, Getter. I'm trucker Jeff on Getter. Oh, yeah, I have a Getter account. I just opened it. Um, okay. All right, trucker Jeff. <laughs> thank, thank you, and stay safe in Wisconsin today. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks. All Take right. care. Uh, Take care. Take care, Wisconsin. <laughs> All right, so, Julie, uh, what, what else did you call about today? Well, I, I was just thinking about the, the fact that Perhaps this whole sequence of events, we still have many wild cards to be played. We just don't know where they're going to come from. That's like right. the wild card with Hillary Clinton, with where she she was sick one night and she was in front of people and she called every um, all Republicans deplorables and then she said that the rest they weren't deplorable; they were irre- irredeemable. So we never really know what wild card is going to come out. Oh, yeah. No, I think that there are going to be a lot of wild cards because you have such a loser uh, right now as the uh, as the um, face of of the corruption. The, the face of the corruption, you know, I always when I see the face of corruption in D.C., I, peop- I, I actually look into the eyes. You know, everybody has a mind's eye. You know who I think? I think of people like Jake Sullivan as some of the spooks in Washington that are pulling the strings. You know, Susan Rice and Barack Obama and Jake Sullivan. These are the people that are really pulling the strings in Washington. There's a lot of others, too. But, you know, the puppet uh, that they are mastering is, is Biden, who can't say anything without reading it off of the, you know, script. And... He's going. I I think it's just a matter of time before that's that thing explodes in their faces, whatever that thing is, because he reminds me of a Max Headroom. Like he's got a he's got a silicone chip somewhere in his head, and they put a plate back on it. You know, this guy really doesn't seem human to me. Well, the whole thing was so duplicitous in the way that everything worked out between COVID 
the impeachment debacle, the fact that it, Trump came down with COVID, and and they then they had it, it called the White House super spreader event. Well, there's no doubt and, that event in the Rose Garden uh, related to Amy Coney Barrett. I believe yeah. that that was a, a an attack on that White House. No question. No question. No question. But. I, I look at that and I think perhaps if Trump would have continued being in office, perhaps they would have quickly found a way to do away with his life. And now that we see that that the traitorous behavior of Pence, I now see that perhaps he was sitting there rubbing his hands together thinking how he could quickly take over the, the, the his position. And the deep state would thrive again. And, and and then you look at Moderna. I happened to look at the IPO date of Moderna the other day. You know, I mentioned December. you know I mentioned Moderna yesterday, right? Yes. I said, have you looked the, at their the, stock portfolio lately? It's through the well, roof. That's why I'm responding to this because people don't understand that the IPO date where it was. Uh, entered into the the public forum it was december 6 2018 less than 30 days after the 2018 election now do you see how this was all just a series of sequential events that they had premeditated and planned this all in advance and and less than one year after the ipo date of moderna the COVID mysteriously appeared and they were the only ones to have the, the the first offering of the vaccine. Now, isn't that a grand coincidence? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, Julie, we gotta yes, we gotta is. we gotta roll on. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. But, I just wanted to just add that and and please have a good day. And I, I didn't mean to take no no no. But take thank care. you, yeah. thank you for yeah. that input. Yeah. Bye. Take care. Bye. All right. So um, wow, that's interesting about the you know and it seems like. Uh, Fauci knew some things ahead of time too, didn't he? You know, it's kind of crazy stuff, folks. Um, here's the thing about election rigging, though, that that I think is very disturbing. It used to be back in the days of JFK that um, you, you'd go from JFK to to Eisenhower, and they, they had nice things to say about each other, and there was a gentle swing, so that we had foreign policy. Uh, the foreign policies would continue from one president to the next because they weren't that at odds with each other. Meaning that, you know, maybe Nixon and uh, JFK saw more eye to eye. Now, LBJ was a bit of an exception, but even even still, presidents had a lot more respect for each other. Nobody seemed to respect Donald Trump, despite the fact that he had more support from more Americans than any other presidential candidate in history which says something about Washington. It says more about Washington and the, and the elitist minds of Washington where they think that they're the ones that are in uh, control of intelligence and, and intellectual discussion when they're not. They've gotten away with all these being these pundits and talking heads, and I think that their egos have really just gone you know, out the window. I mean, they're, they're kind of self-absorbed and full of themselves. When they're not really saying or doing or, or changing anything more than anybody else. The main thing that, that I want to say is when you rig elections, it's, it's when you have the most volatile. 
So like, for example, the Abraham Accords and all the different things that Trump was doing. I had this discussion with a liberal uh, journalist from the Middle East who really knew his stuff, but he and I saw things completely different. But I liked his arguments despite the fact that I disagreed with them because he had he had such knowledge. And um, and it, it was interesting, you know. That I, I, had, I loved the conversation I had with him. But I said to him one thing. I said, you know, I said, what we need, what, what we have are adversaries that are exploiting our democracy. They're exploiting our free and fair elections because... They're, they're rigging them. They're financing candidates. Like China had a big influence with their COVID bioweapon and their control of our ma- mainstream media by uh, waving around their uh, bait that every, every one of our media whores was chomping on, that we just might get access to the 1.5 billion people in China to sell our goods and services. And and also, if you're manufacturing, uh, then you might just get access to the slave labor markets in China if you do the right thing, and if you allow us to buy up all your land and all your golf courses, like in my father's neck of the woods in South Carolina. Chinese, uh, the China China's buying up all kinds of golf courses and letting them go to pot. They're going to probably build condos on them. It's kind of crazy stuff, but it's happening everywhere. I know that Terry from Arkansas mentioned China's buying up Arkansas. And they're buying up all this cheap land in these southern states. Why the southern states? Because they're ruby red states that can change them to be more liberal and then uh, change the electorate. They're infiltrating our country, folks. And the other part of it is by rigging these elections you're getting these huge swings. You go from Trump to Biden overnight. You go from Obama to Trump overnight. It all started, I think, with Barack Hussein. I think that he was a madman. I think he was a sick individual, Obama, who hated America. And you know why I know that Barack Hussein, Barry Satoru, and his husband Michael hate America? Because not only did they subscribe to Sololinsky, but when Barack Hussein said, we're just five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America, when he said that five days before Election Day 2008, when he said that, I said, huh. I said, so imagine you're getting married to your future spouse. You're engaged to be married. You're five days away from the wedding date. Isn't that beautiful? And you say, because you love your future spouse, right? You love your fiance, don't you? That's why you want to get married and spend the rest of your life with them, right? And you come up and you say, I'd like to ding, ding, ding. You tap the glass. It's, um, you know, you want to make a little statement. And you say, I'm just, I can't wait. I'm just five days away from fundamentally transforming who my spouse is. Everybody would look at you like with a like, are you nuts? What do, what do you like about it? Why do you want to change her? Why do you want to fundamentally change him or her, right? Why do you want to do that? And it's obviously that's not love. 
You don't love the country you want to fundamentally change, do you? It's kind of crazy to think that we were fooled so badly as that. The writing was on the wall. The tea leaves are right there. We saw it. And this guy divided us as a nation through race and through redistribution wealth schemes that can only be done through social socialized mechanisms. He weaponized our IRS to target conservative groups. He weaponized our our uh, our homeland security by basically defunding cities that didn't embrace sanctuary. The cities that didn't do sanctuary were going to be defunded. And he did so many other things that were boneheadedly stupid. He distanced our country from the one democracy in the Middle East that we could count on, Israel. He emboldened Iran and the Palestinians, the two groups that support Hamas and Hezbollah. Iran supports Hezbollah. The Palestinians support Hamas. And everybody there hates America and Israel. And then he adopted all of these socialist tendencies and he emboldened China with sla- by giving them more uh, slave labor, um, giving corporate globalists more access to slave labor markets. And then he opened the borders. So what, what, what else has changed since then under this new regime that's been illegally installed into government? There... They're doing it at uh, breakneck speeds. And when we have that, basically it incentivizes, just like the free phones that they're giving out along the southern border, it incentivizes illegal migration to neutralize every one of your votes. But when he was doing that, it was, it was basically incentivizing foreign adversaries to meddle in our elections. And in addition to that, it, it created huge swings so that all the good work that was being done trying to bring Iran to its knees or trying to bring China to phase one was for naught because they just decided, well, you know what? We'll just go ahead and wait it out because phase one, phase two trade deal with China was going to cost China billions and if not trillions of dollars over the next 20 years. And Iran was being brought to their knees because they were flat broke. And Trump was basically smoking them out to where they would come to the table and sign a better deal. But when you get people like John Kerry telling Zarif over in Iran to just wait it out and to to have the same thing done in China where China decides we're going to go ahead and issue a bioweapon that's going to change the world and make us the number one economic superpower uh, because we're going to have an advantage because we're going to see it first and recover first. Uh, you know, that whole thing about conflation? You know, as the world conflates, we're going to inflate. China saw it that way, and that's exactly how it plan- panned out for them. And so the point is, is that these exploitations were incentivized by the rigging of the elections because they knew that there would be a 180-degree change from one election to the next. And that's not normal. And that's not the way it's been throughout our history of our country. It's usually been gradual, moderate, centrist. 
so that you know you kind of run to your wing uh, in the primaries, but then you center up and you make promises that America could buy into. And it wasn't that fundamentally different if you had a Democrat or a Republican in office. But now it is. You compare Biden and Obama, which are basically the one and the same, um, because Obama is really the puppet master to Biden. You compare them to what Trump brought to the table. It's a 180 degree. And when Trump gets 12 million more votes than he did the election before and he still loses because we see all this fraud, there's something going on. And it's very unhealthy and it's destabilizing. And it's the beginning of the end of our republic if we allow it to continue. We either have to stop financing our government that's working against us as an adversarial uh, uh, entity or we get to the bottom of these election frauds and call it out. We can no longer have respect for our justice or FBI. We can't even depend on our military. They seem to be going against us. And we, our IRS, no one trusts. And when you have this breakdown of trust, it's, a, it's also another, another big problem for us. And that's what we're up against. We're up against the government that we built, the corporations that we built, have turned on us, as patriots of America have turned on us and turned away, turned against our freedoms. You know, we were supposed to be endowed by our creator in the pursuit of happiness, freedom, liberty, and justice. And every one of those, including our right to bear arms and defend ourselves, is under attack right at this very moment. And we need to fix it. And if anything, we need to, you know, when, when Canada says that if you're not vaccinated, you can't come to our country, then say no to Canada. The hell with Canada. They could, they could allow their tourism to go kaput for all I care. So, you know, that's the thing we need to, to take into consideration. And um, Terry just wrote in from Arkansas. He says, not Obama, it's Davos party pulling strings. That's probably not, that, that's probably true. That, you know, Brussels and Davos and the globalists, you know, are in charge of the world right now. And that's what was so important about Brexit. That was what was so important about Trump. And, you know, we need to get that back. We need our momentum back. And we're doing a lot of fighting, and we are winning some battles, and hopefully we'll win the war. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. You're listening to Scott Adams. Be sure to check out buglecall.org, magapack.org, scottadamsshow.com for the latest podcast. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there